Although the Bronx is considered New York City's most affordable borough, it has the lowest median income in New York City. Good morning. I'm Chris Williams, and this is Fordham Conversations. Today we're talking about the University Neighborhood Housing Program, or UNHP. It's an organization dedicated to keeping affordable housing affordable in the Northwest Bronx in New York City. Right now, the UNHP says the Bronx is in a crisis of affordability, with people spending a majority of their incomes on rent. The organization is co-sponsored by Fordham University and the Northwest Bronx Community and Clergy Coalition. I spoke to Jim Buckley, executive director of the UNHP, about the challenges of keeping the Bronx affordable. Uh, UNHP's purpose is to, is to work in the neighborhoods of the Northwest Bronx to try to improve and preserve the living conditions for the people living in the Northwest Bronx. So what are some of the ways that you guys do that? Right, the way we do it currently is we have a, uh, a low-interest loan program that we operate that works exclusively with uh, nonprofit housing corporations that, that operate in the Bronx. Uh, we also operate a, uh, a neighborhood resource center, uh, which provides uh, a range of services to, to people living in the community. We have a homeownership counseling program that provides assistance to people who are in need uh, of uh, counseling assistance if they're having problems with their mortgage. Uh, we've also recently set up a first-time homebuyer program uh, working with a, another organization that provides counseling services to, to people who are thinking about buying a home. Uh, we also have a financial clinic, uh, or we have a, a group called the Financial Clinic that provides one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching uh, to, to people who want to work through and talk through their, their own personal financial situation. Uh, and we also have uh, an income tax program, a tax prep program that, uh, that we, we put together for tax season, January through, uh, through April, uh, that this past year worked with uh, 1,600 people uh, living in the neighborhood, uh, helping them with their taxes. And we have volunteers, many of them from Fordham, a number of them from Manhattan College, and then a number of neighborhood people who volunteer their time to, uh, to help people do the, uh, the income tax prep. And, and then the other major activity that we do is we work on issues that are affecting affordable housing in the, uh, in the Northwest Bronx. And, uh, and as part of that work, we end up frequently doing things that, that look broader than just the Northwest Bronx. Uh, we, you know, we operate a, uh, we've set up a thing called the Building Indicator Project, uh, which is a, an index that we've put together over, over a number of years. Uh, that gathers information on 62,000 multifamily buildings around the city of New York, uh, pulling data from available websites on housing violations, uh, city liens, uh, who the owner of the property is, who the lender on the property is, and, and basically try to use that information to develop a, 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 a a form, we did develop a formula to try to identify buildings that might be struggling, uh, you know, physically with a kind of a higher violation count, uh, and in turn will approach lenders that may be involved with the buildings uh, to identify buildings that they may have mortgages on that uh, we think they should put more attention uh, to, to, to try to make sure that the buildings are, are maintained in good condition for the people living in the properties. So it sounds like you guys offer a lot of services. So how do you make sure that people know about these services and actually utilize them? I, a lot of the work, a lot of it is via word of mouth. Uh, I mean, with the tax program, 
Uh, we, you know, we do a little bit of advertising on the tax program, but you know, we've been doing the program for several years now, and uh, and the numbers keep rising. Mostly, I think, from people who have come one year, kind of passing word on to their neighbors or relatives. Uh, you know, saying you know this was a good place to come to get assistance, and uh, and so so word of mouth is usually the, uh, the the way people hear about our work. So UNHP has been around for thirty years now. Yes. So how long have you been with the organization? I've been with UNHP since nineteen eighty nine. I I was the first director, first staff person uh, with University Neighborhood. And are you a Fordham alum? I am, yes. Yeah, I graduated in uh, 76 and, uh, and actually got involved in community organizing work as a uh, student at Fordham. Uh, there was an internship program that was in the political science department there. So could you tell me about Fordham's role in UNHP? It's, is it one of the partners or, or how does that work? How does Fordham's affiliation with the organization, how does that all play out? Sure. It's, it's, uh, it's a little more informal now, but uh, when, when UNHP was originally established in 1983, it was established by Fordham University. Uh, it, it, the, the intent of UNHP was to provide assistance to neighborhood groups uh, as they were looking to try to uh, redevelop the neighborhood. Back in 1983, the Bronx looked very different than it does now. There was a lot of abandonment, uh, you know, just south of Fordham Road. Uh, from the campus, uh, you know, people would have been able to see a number of vacant structures. Uh, and as you as you went further south from the campus, you'd find a substantial number of vacant buildings. And and Fordham, uh, you know, the president of Fordham at the time was uh, uh, was Father Finley. Uh, Father Finley w felt strongly about trying to uh, you know establish Fordham's commitment to the uh, to the neighborhood and to support the neighborhood activities that were going on. And, uh, and the idea of UNHP came in the, uh, in the early 80s. Uh, and then uh, uh, Dr. Byrne, who's currently on the board of directors uh, at UNHP, was, uh, was working with the president's office at that time and helped orchestrate the, uh, the formation of the organization. In 1988, I, I worked for Northwest Bronx Community and Clergy Coalition, and, uh, and at our, through our work with the banks, we were trying to get banks to commit to put money into the into neighborhood activities, uh, and they were looking to kind of run the money uh, as opposed to putting money directly into buildings. They were more comfortable with the idea of putting money into kind of an intermediary entity, and uh, and we approached Fordham to talk to Fordham about ideas and. And Fordham suggested that they would be open to, to expanding the membership of UNHP to make it a two-member uh, company with uh, uh, Fordham University and Northwest Bronx Coalition. Uh, and so that actually took place in 1988, uh, and, and each organization appointed half the board of directors. So we, we operated like that for a number of years, uh, and then as, as we went forward and tried to in, uh, change our status, our organizational status, uh, uh, with, uh, uh, to, to qualify for some additional lending programs that were around, uh, we decided to, uh, the board decided to, uh, to restructure. So, so there, we're a non-member organization at this point. The board kind of uh, is a self-perpetuating board of directors. Uh, but Fordham University and Northwest Bronx Coalition are, are, are sponsor organizations, uh, but, but they're no longer member organizations of UNHP. So why exactly does the organization focus on this section of the Bronx? Is it in more need than other sections, or is it just a matter of this is where it started and this is where we're going to keep it? It, uh, this is where it started, but I, I think, you know, in, in reality what's been happening, and especially in the past 
you know, six, seven years, is we've actually kind of broadened the area that we're, we're affecting. I mean, the, the services that we're providing are, are, are in this neck of the woods, in this uh, part of the Bronx. Uh, but in reality, the uh, the work that we're doing, the research work that we're doing, is is benefiting other organizations, both in the Bronx and in other parts of the city. Uh, our Building Indicator Project, as an example, we have organizations uh, from around New York City that actually subscribe to to the information to be able to get the data on buildings in their neighborhoods. Uh, so, uh, you know, so in many respects, what what we've done here, uh, you know, and we're still very focused here. Uh, but what we've done here is actually kind of been able to benefit uh, many other communities uh, around the city of New York. I'm Chris Williams on 90.7 WFUV, and today on Fordham Conversations, I'm talking to Jim Buckley, Executive Director of the University Neighborhood Housing Program, about keeping housing affordable in the Bronx. So how often, or if at all, do you talk to people who are affected by this? Are you, are you, I mean, are you in contact with them? Do you t talk to them, or is it just... Um, things you hear from studies and things like that. Oh, we talk to people every day. Uh, I mean, not not me, not just me in particular, but we've got a staff of eight people right now that are, are working on these various programs. Uh, with the with the resource center uh, in in particular, that's uh, that's probably the the place at which we have the most regular dealings with uh, you know with people in the neighborhood and. Uh, uh, you know, people in financial need, uh, you know, through our workshops and our homeowner fairs, uh, you know, we've, we're in touch with people, uh, you know, with some regularity through that. Uh, the work that we're doing has kind of led us into different fields, frankly, as we, as we started out, we primarily were focused on, on housing and housing affordability. Uh, you know, while we're still very focused there in, in, recent, uh, in recent months, uh, like, uh, you know, we've also started to, uh, to focus a little bit more on the income side. Uh, so when we did, uh, we have an annual uh, forum, uh, you know, where we try to raise concerns and raise issues that, that affect neighborhoods like ours. And in May, we had a forum entitled Nowhere to Go, where we basically were focusing on the fact that with the way rents are going and with the stagnation of wages for, for so many people, uh, there's, there's a serious concern about whether our, our neighborhoods, which are still more affordable than virtually any other neighborhood in, uh, in the city of New York, that, that our neighborhoods are becoming unaffordable to the people who are living here. There are the area just south of Fordham Road, Right now, for the first time ever, uh, crossed uh, crossed a line where more than 50% of the households living in Community Board Five uh, are paying more than 50% of their income in rent, uh, and that's a, an incredible number. And, and when you start kind of taking that across into into other issues and start thinking about minimum wage, uh, you know, and, and the kinds of jobs that, that people are able to access, uh, it's 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 a serious concern about uh, you know about the, the future that, that people in our neighborhoods are facing. So it sounds like the affordable housing is now becoming unaffordable. There's a real risk of that, and and I think that's one of the things that you know that we wanted to call out to people's attention. I mean, you know, people will in in kind of policy making positions in uh, in the city and in the banks. You know, we'll look at our prices, we'll look at our rents, uh, and be saying, you know, well, these, this rent, you know, if you look at a rent in the area just south of Fordham Road versus a rent in the middle of Manhattan or in, uh, in Park Slope in Brooklyn, the rent looks 
very reasonable. But when you kind of make it more real to people and are able to kind of show to, to city officials and decision makers uh, at, at uh, you know, at, at bank level, at, at senior bank levels, and be able to say, you know, that it may look affordable in comparison to other neighborhoods, but when you look at the people living in our neighborhoods and, and what people are making, uh, this is a serious concern. Uh, we don't have the answers right now uh, in terms of how, how we address this, but we, it's very important that, that the, the focus uh, of attention be, be put on this uh, in terms of trying to develop some answers to this. So uh, we, we feel like we're playing an important role right now. We're, it's, uh, it's frustrating uh, in terms of not being able to, to kind of, you know, to say this is, the, this is the solution. But we do feel that we've got a number of people in the neighborhood working on this and focused on it. We do feel like we're, we're, you know, we're getting better attention than we had been getting before about our concerns. Uh, we, we feel like our research work has been helpful in, in achieving that, uh, you know, and, uh, and now we want to take it the next step because research just for the sake of having a piece of good research isn't that helpful. Uh, now we need to take it into action. So how do you get the banks to listen to you? I, you know, historically, uh, you know, the relationships that we've had with the banks, uh, uh, you know, have been up and down. I mean, the, uh, you know, we utilized the Community Reinvestment Act uh, back when I worked for the Northwest Bronx Coalition. Uh, we used the Community Reinvestment Act uh, to, to help get banks' attention. And we used kind of traditional community organizing methods to help get banks' attention. And that, and that frequently would involve, uh, you know, gathering data, uh, trying to get meetings with uh, decision makers, and if we if we couldn't get those meetings, uh, kind of raise the level of attention by doing demonstrations and uh, and trying to get press coverage on on different things. With UNHP, we've had a different relationship with the banks. I mean, the banks at, back in the late '80s, when they were looking to to put money into UNHP to help us acquire property. Uh, you know, for the uh, community organizations I was referring to, uh, you know, we actually got a significant amount of bank cooperation right at the start, and uh, and we were able to borrow the money, repay the money, reborrow the money, and kind of show a record of success. Uh, you know, in terms of the community lending we were talking about, actually enough of a record of success that at one point some of the banks started saying we don't really need to use you as the intermediary. You know, you've kind of shown that these deals actually do work. So, so we have developed kind of a different relationship with the banks as, uh, as time has gone on. And there are times when we still lock horns, uh, you know, but, but I feel like we've developed uh, kind of a rapport that has allowed us to, to, to raise some of the issues that we were just talking about in a very different way. Uh, the building indicator project I was referring to, uh, you know, we have been using that to get banks to look more closely at the buildings uh, on which they have mortgages. And, and a number of banks have, have started using the data to, to more closely monitor their portfolios. And, uh, and, and that's very helpful to, uh, to the people that are, are living in the buildings. The banks can't solve all of the problems, but if you've got the bank kind of turning to the owner and saying, you know, listen, we're, you know, we're looking at the loan that we made to you and the building on which that loan is secured and the building is showing umpteen violations and umpteen thousand dollars in city liens, what are you doing about it? Uh, that, that's going to be an incentive to the owner uh, that if you could combine that with tenant and community organizing, uh, you know, might seriously improve the, uh, the conditions in the building for the people living there. So just to clarify, you guys are about maintaining affordable housing, not creating new affordable housing. We, 
we have done uh, some creation of affordable housing and we've done preservation as well. I mean, uh, one, one of the other things that, uh, uh, that, that we have worked on in, uh, in the past couple of years is a couple of development projects that involved uh, upgrading properties uh, that had been renovated a number of years ago uh, that, that needed uh, additional work to kind of maintain them as, uh, as, as decent housing and to keep them affordable. Uh, so that, that also is something that we have kind of evolved into. Uh, so Rose Hill Apartments, uh, the, the, the building near the campus there, that, that's one that uh, we worked on. And then we worked in collaboration with Fort Bedford Housing Corporation, another nonprofit housing entity here on a uh, project at West Farms that uh, was a 500 unit uh, renovation you know, with people in place. Uh, so we, we haven't done new construction, uh, but we have worked on, uh, on improving existing housing. I mean, without giving any names or anything, do you have any uh, stories of people who do you have any personal stories from people who you guys have helped out? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we actually maintain uh, around our tax program, uh, we maintain kind of a story log, uh, you know, because a number of the people that, that have come in, uh, you know, have very kind of moving personal stories. And, and in some cases, uh, you know, the work that we've been able to do with them on, on their taxes and the work that the volunteers have been able to do with them on their taxes has had kind of a significant impact, uh, you know, for them in their in their day-to-day -day lives. I mean, a one thing is they're not paying somebody who might be charging them too much to do their taxes. Uh, b they they're accessing uh, in some cases some tax uh, assistance that they weren't they may not have been aware that they were entitled to. But in the course of those conversations, uh, you know, the the economic hardships that people are wrestling with, uh, you know, will come up, uh, you know, and. Like many of the volunteers that we've talked to have uh, have talked uh, about how much it's affected them to kind of meet people and uh, hear the individual stories that people are dealing with. And and I, one of the guys I'm thinking of, uh, one of the volunteers I'm thinking of, was was talking to me about how amazed he was that that this was so close to the campus uh, that you know that people were living in such dire you know uh, uh, financial straits you know only like a stone's throw away from the campus so it, it's it's been good for everybody in terms of some of the programs that we're working with i mean because i think the volunteers have gained a lot uh, and the, the folks that they're assisting have gained a lot uh, I, I've always found in this work that I, you know, gain as much from uh, the people I'm working with as, uh, you know, as what I'm kind of giving. This year, the UNHP celebrates its 30th anniversary. I spoke to Dr. Brian Byrne, Vice President of Fordham University Lincoln Center and UNHP board member, about how things have changed since the organization began in 1983. Can you start by telling me a little bit about your involvement with UNHP? Sure. In 1983, I was, at that time, assistant to the president for urban affairs, and we uh, were in the process of developing a series of programs that would better engage the university with its surrounding community. Uh, it's a big challenge because we, uh, as a classic liberal arts institution, didn't have schools of nursing or medicine or engineering and so forth, where the interface is a little more natural. In any event, we had uh, worked on developing some housing for elderly and handicapped, known as Rose Hill Apartments, right off campus. And we're looking for a way to expand the physical imprint uh, of the university on its, on its surrounding environment. So in cooperation with a local development corporation called BUILD, 
uh, we set up the University Neighborhood Housing Program originally to take advantage of tax credit financing for four properties in the Fordham Road corridor that needed rehabbed. You've been involved with the organization for a while now. Um, Do you notice that now there are different problems than there were 20, 25 years ago, or is it kind of the same thing? Well, the the problems have changed. The the age when the Bronx was, quote, burning, end quote, and where we had uh, untold acres of undeveloped property and so forth, uh, that's long behind us, all right? The affordability issues are, are still there. Uh, there's still a need for for decent and, and clean and well-managed housing, which can still be done and done at a profit, but you gotta you got to know your market. Our strategies for dealing with that have varied over 30 years. At one time, we were probably the principal or a principal conduit for banks and charitable institutions who wanted to lend money to affordable housing projects but didn't know how to go about doing it because they were more used to kind of conventional lending techniques. So we would accept deposits at a lower interest rate from them and then lend it back out. And our idea was to capture buildings and allow them to be converted to not-for-profit or or community-based housing uh, kinds of vehicles. And then we would uh, move to package them, all right, with city, state, and federal rehab funds. So we've done a lot of that. Gradually, we've moved away from the acquisition financing to doing more technical assistance. We've done several big projects that way. And more recently, because of changes in tax laws, we're back to doing tax financing with uh, tax-exempt bonds and tax credits, as well as the, uh, you know, the uh, building indicator project. And more recently, trying to... Uh, assist a lot of homeowners who are facing foreclosures. Private homes are not the biggest form of housing in the West Bronx, but there is a real problem there of, of people getting in over their heads uh, on home ownership. So we've helped with that, and even more recently, more, we've, we've gotten into the tax advising business with the help of a lot of Fordham students to try and make sure that working poor people take advantage of all the federal credit so they can get on their taxes, uh, that way putting more dollars in their pockets for you know their shelter and, and uh, care of their children and things like that. So the problems um, that we've chosen to address have shifted as the character of the borough has shifted, but it's still the principal working poor, lower working class, two and three incomes in a family environment that it was 35 years ago. So some things change, some things always remain the same. Mm-hmm. So this this year is the 30th anniversary. Yes. And you guys, you're having a, an event next month, I believe, or is it the end of this month? We're having it October 3rd. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's kind of a classic uh, back to the future because the, the building we're having in is the old Dollar Dry Dock Savings Bank building on the concourse. It's glorious... Uh, kind of uh, art deco structure with a big tower that's now i think condos but uh dollar dollar savings bank at that time way back uh in history in the late 70s mid 70s was one of the adversaries of the northwest bronx coalition in the sense that the coalition was pushing lenders to enforce the good repair clause which is in every mortgage for a building 
And they were banks were reluctant to do that. They lent the money, and so long as they were getting their interest and principal paid back, uh, they didn't much care to see what kind of conditions the property uh, was in. Uh, and we tried to convince them that's a that's a that's a self perpetuating uh, scenario for disaster. And of course, it did happen. Um, buildings went bankrupt, buildings were foreclosed, uh, owners disappeared, all kinds of terrible things. But eventually, uh, as with the other lending institutions in the borough, we were able to reach an accommodation and they began to understand more and more why the coalition and later groups, spinoff groups like UNHP were doing what they were doing, which is that, it, it, I mean, I know this sounds Pollyannesque, but, but you know, you, you can have a win-win in the sense that you can protect your investment while making the housing uh, clean, safe, and more affordable all at once. They're not necessarily opposed. So an owner can make a decent profit, and there are lots of owners who are doing this, as well as not-for-profit community groups. And they really need the private investors to uh, the banks to continue to be involved. And uh, fortunately, that's... So we're going to have this big event. I'm getting back to your question. In, in, the, in a very... In a, a classic uh, savings bank, enormous uh, venue, where at, at one time we were uh, we were picketing. You know, we're not picketing now. We're partners. Things happen over time. Yeah. So anniversaries, they're good occasions to look back, but also to look forward. So, would would you say that there's anything in particular you want to see the program do in the future that it hasn't yet? Uh we kick around ideas all all the time. I think the most recent uh, uh, efforts we've had is sort of a little broader beyond housing. Uh, we, you know, we have a uh, community advice center uh, in Our Lady of Refuge Church that we've set up as a as a, uh, a new effort, and we're we're really working our way into that, um, and that that takes on all kinds of of. Uh, uh, things that we didn't traditionally do. So I'm not sure we're ready for a next step. We've just completed, in cooperation with Fordham Bedford Housing, the rehabilitation of a 546, I believe it is, uh, apartment complex in West Farms uh, in the Bronx, an area of the Bronx that's not normally considered part of the Northwest Bronx, uh, an in-place rehab of, of, of that magnitude, uh, tens of millions of dollars, um, and we helped uh, structure the financing and then assist in the rehab um, over the last year and a half. And that's, it's, it was never closed. We did it in place. Um, so we learned the techniques of how you can take an, an aged apartment building and uh, working with some special contractors. Um, we can actually rehab your apartment in two weeks, soup to nuts, and you never really leave it. Uh, which is what keeps people in a place, and do it at a, keeping the, the rents reasonably affordable. So I think we'll probably be doing a lot more of the same and experimenting a little bit with, uh, as of right now, as far as I'm concerned, with uh, nuances of, of what we are doing. Mm -hmm. Are there any services that you offer that would sort of address problems of people not being able to afford to stay where they are and, and they perhaps become homeless or they find themselves on the streets. We we run a very limited. We have, let's put it this way, we have financed and helped structure um, buildings that do address the homeless situation problem. But we're not a 
primary conduit for that. Uh, other people do that better than we do, but we have helped set up some of the buildings where that kind of program is. We're not a programmatic, we're not running housing, all right? We're assisting owners and developers and uh, not-for-profit organizations in putting together the financing or in managing the relationships with the city. So um, it, is, it is quite true that we have some clout with city officials that wasn't there before. So if we bring a project to bear and focus on, on their attention on it, they are more likely to get attention. So, for example, we the Rose Hill Apartments, which is right off campus here, which was built in the early 80s, uh, we recently refinanced that completely, got its mortgage down lower, and rebuilt the building inside. New, new boilers, new pumps, uh, new kitchens, new windows, uh, new landscaping. Um, and that was a, a major UNHP project, and the... Uh, you know, the building commissioner came up and was very, very happy to have cooperated with us in that. So, Is there a particular project that you've worked on that stands out to you as being more memorable than certain other ones? Uh, as a UNHP board member, mm -hmm. um, now they're all, I, I, th I guess the West Farms project most recently because of its, its size and, and its terrible need, you know, was a in pretty crummy shape when when we in Fordham Bedford went in and took it over and to show you that I th I think at the first month they only had five vacancies that's how desperate people were for housing they were living in in um, borderline really borderline conditions in terms of basic necessities like eating hot water but it was a place for shelter so uh, not not in particular I don't have any particular favorites in this. My thanks to Jim Buckley and Dr. Byrne for talking to me about UNHP. For more information, visit unhp.org. This has been Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7. You can hear Fordham Conversations every Saturday at 7 a.m. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and catch up with past shows with our weekly podcast. Stay tuned. George Bodarkey and Cityscape are next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Chris Williams.